This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. He went to prison and then he went to the throne. This is not something that's unusual if you remember Joseph. You remember that in the book of Genesis chapter 40? He goes from prison. He's a Hebrew prisoner in Egypt and he becomes a prime minister sitting on the throne in Egypt. He goes from the prison to the throne, which is crazy because Joseph took advice from the Lord. You remember that? And then even better, Pharaoh took advice from Joseph and had to wait seven years for Joseph's wisdom to actually come to fruition. And seven years is a long time to wait to trust a Hebrew prisoner. Isn't that crazy? But wise king learns to take advice. He's teachable even to listen to a Hebrew prisoner. And Joseph is humble and teachable that he's able to learn from the Lord and, and go in wisdom and in power and speak to Pharaoh. And here Solomon says that, this king, verse 15, I saw all the living who move about under the sun along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. So he's kind of getting, giving us a bird's eye view. He says, I saw this guy, man. He, he, was, he was leading well. He was, people were following him. And he was a youth and he was powerful and was great. He had vision. He had passion. He was learning. He's listening. And I saw him who was to stand in the king's place. And then he says, um, I saw all the living who move about under the sun along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and striving after the wind. It's crazy. So he sees Solomon. Solomon sees this king from a youth, goes to prison, goes to the throne. Beautiful leader, amazing. But then he hits a point in his life where he just stops learning. He's not teachable anymore. He's been a king for 20 years, but it's still a zero. And he's still a zero. And when he dies, no one's going to remember him because he just died as a king who was just a fool who wasn't teachable and if you remember there's a beautiful illustration of this in Joseph and in Egypt because the Pharaoh in Egypt in Genesis chapter 40 he has a dream Joseph interprets the dream and Joseph says interpretations belong to the Lord and, and, and the Lord will help us interpret the dream and he interprets the dream crazy 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 think about it the Pharaoh king of Egypt listens to a Hebrew prisoner imagine our, our, our president doing that listening to a guy who's able to interpret a dream that the president had who's in death row and he says that's it for seven years we're gonna, I mean that president's going to be voted out in a hurry right but Pharaoh listens takes the advice and what happens the Bible tells us that God used that obedience man to save many people's lives fast forward many generations later what happens to those same people Joseph's family they become slaves in Egypt they become slaves and then there's a new king and God does send another Hebrew with advice and counsel he sends Moses but does he listen no Pharaoh does not listen Moses says let my people go he doesn't what happens ten plagues does he listen he doesn't what happens in the end all his army and chariots buried in the sea done and no one even knows that Pharaoh's name no one remembers that guy we remember Moses we don't remember that king and what Solomon's trying to say is if we're living about I and me and we're not thinking about the bigger picture it's easy for us to not learn to not grow to not want to take advice because you think you got this I have this and man these I know are extreme examples of these kings losing their armies and stuff but how many times we lose our families how many times we lose our jobs? How many times we, 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 we delay God's calling and blessing in our life because we've not taken counsel from people? You know, something that, and I don't mean to go off on a rant over here, but something that I used to always tell youth, which I think even it'll be good for adults to pay, pay heed to this. When you go into a work environment, when you go into an interview, there are four things that they're looking for. 
These are four things that everybody's looking for. Character, attitude, skill, and experience. If you have these four things, you know what? You will be successful no matter which job you go into. Character, attitude, that's what I look at when I look at leaders. Do they have character? That's who are they behind closed doors? If I'm not there, if, if your boss is not there watching you, would you still do the right thing? Or would you fudge the numbers on the papers? Character, attitude, when things don't go the way you planned, how do you respond? How do you react? Skill, that comes over time, right? Are you a person that actually has the talents to be able to do the job that, that is in front of you? Experience, that comes over time. And you need to know these four things come only when you're willing to submit yourself in humility to grow. So in other words, folks, this is not just motivational speak, this is biblical truths that you see in all of these people that God used. If we are closing our ears and saying, I don't want to hear this, I got this on my own, sure, you'll get a certain way, you'll get to a certain extent. But when this whole thing goes over and God's like pushing into a new season, you will definitely fail. Because you don't have people that give you sound advice. You're just living. In fact, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, ruined the country because of this very same thing. Didn't take the counsel of the people that were counseling Solomon. And he listened to his idiot friends and he lost the country. Character, attitude, skill, and experience. All of these things are caught and, it, and you learn from humility. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, knowledge puffs up but love builds up. Once again, once again, I want to bring this where the rubber meets the road. It's very possible that in this one month of quarantine, you found yourself surround, surrounded with people that don't give you good, ad good advice. It's not life-giving. They've abused you for many years, and you thought that was normal. And now God's showing you that, hey, listen, if you really want to be someone that I've created you to be, you can't just live 20 years doing the same old thing you got to grow. you got to learn. you got to surround yourself with people that will lift you up, that will teach you, that will call you out on your sin, that will call you out on your foolishness. One of the saddest things in, in the world, as you get older, no one will tell you that you're being an idiot. When you're young, everybody will call you out on you being a fool. But once you get older, no one's going to say, hey man, actually that was very stupid. And sadly, once you get a beard growing and you look like an adult, no one's going to tell you that you're an idiot. right? And because of that, man, you just go on living in your own foolishness and you become like this king. Yeah, you have a throne. Yeah, you worked hard at something, but no one's going to remember you and you won't be able to fulfill the call of God in your life. You won't be able to be a billboard for the grace of God because you become inward-focused, self-focused. It's all about I. It's all about me. And it's not about, hey, man, help me, surround me, teach me. Is this right? Is this good? Do you see God in this? It's necessary for us to have that. So <clears throat> while we go through this time, I don't know how long we'll have to be in our homes locked up. It'll be really great for us to say, God, what are areas I need to grow in? And who are the people I need to humbly submit myself to? Now, these people might have the skill that you need to grow in, but they might not have the attitude and character. Like many people who are apprentice at a job, right? They're an apprentice of the job, not because their boss has the character, attitude, skill, and experience. They're an apprentice because this person has a skill that they need to learn. We need to humble ourselves to learn. Many times Christians aren't humble to learn. And we turn out to be a bunch of idiots. And we don't represent Jesus well. We need to humble ourselves to learn. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Number three. Number three. And we'll bring this to a close, okay? Connection is better than competition. Once again, I want to remind you that typically the messages that I preach over here is very gospel-focused. But this week, if we really have given our life to Jesus, there's got to be certain traits in our life that the world has got to look at and say, man, there's something very unique about this guy. How does this guy, where does he get his wisdom from? How does he deal with situations? And these are practical things that the Bible is giving us for us to actually be better at what we do. 
And here, Solomon's going to say, connection is better than competition. You see, work, ministry, knowledge, education, wealth, career growth, all of these things can be really good, but it can also be very cancerous. It can be cancerous to living a fulfilled life in Jesus. Many of these things, even though they're good, it can take you away from the simple joys and blessings that's right under your nose. And right now, I want to tell you before we go into these next few verses, <clears throat> whatever it is, and it might be good, if it's taking you away from your calling, if it's taking you away from the simple joys that God has put in front of you, if it's taking you away from what you ought to be doing that God's placed you to do, it's sinful, it's wrong. Those things, it's competing with connection. It's competing with the connection that you're supposed to have. Sometimes things start very innocently, but those things can very quickly turn into competition to the connections that God wants you to have in this life. Let's see verse 7. Solomon's going to illustrate this really well, contrast it and make his point very clear. Verse 7, he says, Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there's no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For who am I toiling or depriving myself of, of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Once again, this is not just talking about work or job or money. The compulsive money maker or the compulsive, I don't know, people pleaser. The compulsive Bible study theologian. Day in and day out, he sits in front of his computer or in the office, doesn't get to see his kids or his wife or his friends or enjoy a good barbecue on a beautiful weather, have any sort of hobbies, have any sort of recreation. <clears throat> They live their life almost as good as they were single and had no family. Ouch. That was for me. I do this very often. Because sometimes the, the, the passion for life can become a competition to connection. One of the things that, as I've been studying this, um, I've been very guilty of. There are, there are people that serve the vision and passion that God's given me for this church. Uh, Levi is an example. Sorry, bro. And, um, and and oftentimes when Levi calls me, I don't answer. Amen? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I don't. And as I was studying this, you know, it, it, was a, it was a personal conviction of like, man, I, I need to be able to step away and answer that phone call. Levi, I shouldn't have told you this because he's going to be calling me every day now, right? But, but most of the time when he called, he's calling about questions about, hey, man, like, do you know what we're setting up? Do you know wh how we're doing this, when we're doing this or whatever? But it's so easy for us, and, and maybe that's just a simple illustration or example for you, but look at your own life. How many times are you just toiling and not asking yourself, why am I even doing this? When God's put people that I should be connected with right around me, and I'm ignoring them, I'm using them, I'm trampling them down just so that I can be better at what I do. That's wrong, that's sinful. I'm ignoring the connection that God's given me, and then everything, that, everything else is competing with his friendship. Man, these are blessings that God's placed in their life. I want to talk to fathers. How many times have you looked at your children's face and actually spoken to them? This is last month. We have so much time. Or this is becoming a nuisance. See, God wants to bless us with connection, but other things are competing with this connection, and that's wrong, that's sinful. That, 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 that is directly opposed to the gospel that you and I claim to walk in. <clears throat> Living for yourself is the fastest way to turn the American dream into a nightmare. Okay, now I want to tell you, I'm really excited about really happy to be in this country uh, the blessings of being able to, 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 to pursue a passion and a calling in this country is just beautiful but that pursuit can quickly turn into a nightmare if I ignore the connections that God's placed around me Solomon's going to give us four things over here in an illustration 
He said, when in connection better than, than competition. First of all, he says that when you focus on connection, then competing or letting your job, letting your stress compete with the connection, first of all, he says, you lose profit. You lose your reward. Verse 9, he says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. You see, the first guy that's like this compulsive money maker, he's working all alone. He's trying to do it all on, his, all on himself. And even the people that want to come alongside, he's trampling on them, he's stepping on them, he's chewing them out. And here he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Two people can achieve more and will get a good reward for their hard work. And this many people think it's talking about marriage, but this is not just talking about marriage, it's talking about any relationship. It's talking about friendship, it's talking about, about siblings, it's talking about husband and wife, it's talking about employees, it's talking about a team. Two people are better than one. In fact, the Talmud says that a man without a companion is like a left hand without the right. That's sad. A man without a companion. So the first thing that we miss out on if we make competition, other things that are competing more important than connection, we lose our reward. Secondly, you have no one to help you. It says in verse 10, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he has fallen and has no one to lift him up. And this is not just physically speaking of falling down, it's also spiritual and emotional too. When you don't have companionship, once again, this is not talking just about marriages. This is talking about friendships. In fact, March we were going to start our, our life groups, which I was really hoping that would, hoping that, that would happen so that things like this will, will become a part of our lifestyle. But praise God that we don't need a program for us to live out the gospel. Connection is better than the competition. What are the competitions that's competing with this authentic, genuine companionship that you can have with people that will be able to bring more reward and profit in the calling of your life, that will be able to help you up and lift you up? Man, I can tell you, these guys that have been serving faithfully behind the scenes, they've helped me out a lot. They've helped this church out a lot. They've been superheroes behind the scenes. A lot of help being able to not only spiritually, emotionally, and physically move things forward for this church. It's beautiful to have that. Next, Solomon says that when you let um, connection compete with your other stresses, you lose comfort. He says, again, if two lie together, they keep warm. Young adults, I know what you're thinking. Stop it. <clears throat> okay? If you lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And you're like, well, you were talking, it's not about marriage, so clearly, you know, it's okay. No. The, the, the context of this is travelers in, in the ancient times. When they're traveling, it was absolutely stupid to travel alone. Even right now, when, you, when I go riding my, my dirt bike up in the trails, typically don't see people just riding by themselves. You always have someone's kind of the body system, right? You don't travel alone, and especially when you're camping at night. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.